Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And welcome to the Tim's Take, episode 33. And it's Easter! Happy Easter. Yesterday. Well, yes, we record this on Sunday. Happy Easter Monday. So it was Oliver's first Easter. We did nothing special for him. (laughs) (laughs) Which kind of felt like a parent fail, but also felt intentional. It's one of those things when they're this little, I don't know. This is something he's not going to remember. Yeah, I would be very curious to hear from listeners how they feel about starting traditions in the first year of a child's life. Uh huh. This is really an interesting question. I feel like we have really kind of accidentally, kind of just by not talking about it, fallen into the. We'll pick that up later. Yeah, I mean, it really is so much for you at this point, and there's something to that, but it also feels like a lot of work on top of already much to do yeah and other people do it for him his grandparents bought him something (laughs) (laughs) thanks man and pops yeah i'd be i'd be so interested in what people have done and it is like i mean i don't know none neither of us had we had some traditions but nothing that we've kept up necessarily in our adult life without a kid so then to do it for a kid who doesn't know it's happening Feels a little strange. Yes, that's fair. Also, this week for us, for me, is has a lot of intensity. Yes, as a pastor, Holy Week is seven services that you did this week. Um, six. Yeah, six, six in person. I led a couple other morning prayers, put together videos for three other days. It's a lot. And I mean, I took Oliver to all those services too, so it was a lot for me as well. No, it is not just, wow, Matt did a lot. You were really engaged with it, which I was, yeah, grateful for and delighted by. But that's no small amount of work for either of us. So Easter Bunny will come next year. Yes, when he can appreciate it more. Well, in this episode, I think we're going to do lows, highs, and takes. Yep. Yep. This is kind of a pseudo mailbag, but I wanted to give a shout out at the top of the episode to our friend Wendy, who told us the other day at church, she said to me, you know what podcast I've been listening to and enjoying? And I do a couple of podcasts at church. So I said, oh, you've been listening to our songs podcast. And she said, no. She said, I'm listening to the Tim's Take podcast. And... She was very encouraging. She said to keep her accountable. If she hadn't heard an episode, it means she's not going on walks. Oh, so okay. So her walk accompaniment. But what a joy. It was such a sweet kind of little moment of connection. And she particularly expressed how special it was. And I think we have some other listeners who are in this boat. Because you listen back and you remember when your own children went through some of this. If you're a parent of older children. So glad to contribute to the nostalgia. It was very sweet, Wendy, as opposed to another friend of ours who was overhearing this conversation and said, oh, people actually listen to that? (laughs) We'll leave them nameless. (laughs) Although we could name them because obviously they do not listen to this. All right. Why don't you kick us off with a low? Yeah, my low is kind of a cheating low. Okay. Because I couldn't really think. I could think of some personal lows, but not necessarily... (laughs) An Oliver-related low. definitely had some of those. (laughs) There's definitely been some personal lows. We'll leave that for another podcast. But for Oliver, I did want to share what I call now (laughs) Cannibali. And Cannibali is this mode that Oliver goes into where he just literally wants to eat my face. 
Which, to be fair, you have kind of started this as a game with him since he was a newborn. Yeah, pretty little. I would tell him to not eat my nose. And then I would put my nose right at his mouth. And if he opened his mouth, I would then tickle his tummy with my nose until he left. Which was super fun. Until now, he... I was holding him today. And everyone was eating at the table as I was holding him. So I don't know if that had to do with it. But suddenly he looks at me. His eyes like went red or something. That's an exaggeration. But he looked at me, grabbed my face, and suddenly tried to eat my nose. And this is with his like teeth and everything going. So then I had to push off. But then he would just home back in. So just imagine a nine-month-old opening their mouth and then just lunging at your face. Sometimes using both hands to like grab on. (laughs) It's pretty funny. He did this on Skype with my parents the other week to Matthew. Yeah. And... You described it one of those videos that's like a cat attacking a person, but in the periphery. Yeah, yeah. And everyone else is just totally ignoring Oblivious. what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it felt like that. So it's it's both, I find it hilarious because it seems really bizarre and funny. Also slightly concerning. So It is a strange thing that he does with strange, you. Strange, strange thing. Because he's not like laughing. He is no, no, taking no. it very seriously. No, when he goes into cannibali mode, it's, it's very serious. Our Don't Eat My Nose game that we play usually is accompanied by laughter. But, oh, it's a whole other thing. I worry for what we're doing to him already. Anyway, it's not really a low, but it's a funny story. So I'm going to count it. How about you? What's your low? Bring us down, Rachel. (laughs) Well, we've had an interesting time with Oliver the last two weeks. He's kind of been in a bit of a nap transition. Oh, yeah. So I think he's kind of moving from three naps to two naps. He turned nine months last week, which was a big deal. But right around that time, they sometimes transition. And he's started showing signs of that. Sometimes he'll nap longer. And then you can kind of sneak in only two naps, which is like great they're supposed to be longer but also hard because i mean as parents you love them all dual naps so that's kind of a low but it also kind of threw him off this week we had some family in town oliver's aunt and uncle were visiting from portland which was super fun but i think the new people like really threw him off which i was not expecting necessarily and he's met them before but it's been a while and obviously kids don't have amazing memories at this point but the first day Caleb and Lauren were here, he like, we were trying to put him down at my in-laws and Oliver just would not go down to sleep. Right. And we tried and tried and he just screamed and screamed and screamed. And then when we tried again and he did it and Matt and I were like, what, like, what do we do? So eventually we like yes. sat in there with him. I did forget about this and thinking about my lows, but uh-huh. yeah, this was tricky. We like sat with him in his room and like would sing to him and then like slowly like inched out. Like it was like every parenting put your kid to sleep scenario you can imagine. That one was particularly hard because the stakes felt high. We were putting him to sleep at night there so that we could continue to hang out and it was my mom's birthday and we were celebrating and we hadn't had birthday too yeah and we hadn't had carrot cake or gifts yet so So it's like we can't bail because we won't get carrot cake it felt like to bow out was a big a big decision to make that we really didn't want to have to make but you also like you can't force your kid to sleep so eventually he went to sleep but then for the next like two days he was still pretty out of whack so even when we came home the next day and tried to get him to go to sleep at our house for mm-hmm. his nighttime. 
he really fought us. And so we had to do like the timed like, okay, we're going to let him cry and scream it out for 10 minutes. And we're going to let him do it for 15 minutes and then go in there in 20 minutes. And eventually the third round, he finally did fall asleep. Right. But it's a hard thing to like know if what you're doing is right and if he's ever going to calm down. And <laughs> this it's is, just very stressful. That was way harder for you. It is always harder for me. It's hard to hear him cry. I just figured, you know what? He's physically fine. He cannot keep this up forever. I'm going to outlast him. It becomes a battle of will. If Cannibali is him trying to assert his will on me, bedtime, staggered entrance, that's me asserting my will on Ollie. Oh, I mean, but sometimes he just really works himself up, like, and almost kind of hyperventilate, like. <gasps> he wasn't doing that that night, though. No, but the next day, for me, he was. So. Ugh. And then we look on the monitor in this adventure of that evening, and he's sitting up in his bed in the crib, <laughs> which he's never done before. And so somehow in his, like, emotional, like, passion, he just learns how to sit up. And so we had to move down the crib and, oh. The next day. We didn't do that that yeah, day. Yeah. But it was a bit of a whirlwind. Baby sleep. I mean, I really do think I take for granted sometimes how wonderful our lives are that he sleeps pretty well yeah because a couple of days of chaos and we're pretty thrown off <laughs> so that that was my low yeah that's a good low let's move on to highs though yep. let's leave behind the lows it's easter sunday as we record let's move into the highs i go first which is good because you might have stolen mine and that is that oliver has learned to wave this was one of my options it's super fun he i guess a week ago, exactly, my dad, his pops, is waving at him, and Oliver definitely gestures back. Mm -hmm. And he has just honed that wave in the past week. And today in church, he's waving at people. Oh, gosh, what a heart stopper. It's and of course, so everyone cute. everyone loves to wave at a baby, so now people are waving back. It's super cute. It's super fun. It's, I think it might be one of, it's probably like after smiles, one of the things that he's doing that's most responding uh -huh. to you. And so that's particularly fun. Like feel he, very seen. Yeah, feel very seen. He's, he's babbling and doing all of that, but there's not really a sense that he's directing that speech in any way to mean anything or want something. Right. He has started kind of making the da-da-da-da-da da, 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 da sound. Yes, which is wonderful. Which is hard. But... <laughs> well, I'm surprised that wasn't your low... Emotionally burned. Jealousy but... much... But, yeah, it's not directed particularly at me or anything like that. So. Yeah, so the wave. The wave is, is super quite fun. quite something. Mm -hmm. That's my high. Oh, gosh, I just, it makes me think of, we had a church service, one of our six church services this week, which I was holding Oliver, and he looks across the room, and he sees you, and he just smiles and oh, kind of yeah, makes this noise so when he smiles. He's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just very sweet. He certainly has some charm. Yeah, he does. Okay, so my high was we have officially moved Oliver into his spring collection wardrobe. <laughs> Why do you laugh so hard? Oh. I take a lot of pride in dressing Oliver right now, and I think I'm pretty good at it. You're doing great. I love his outfits. I will say the different seasonal collections are getting more costly every time. 
that they were purchased. Well, he's getting bigger, so the clothes are getting more expensive. Oh, is that how it works? Just literally by the more fabric by the yeah. yard. <laughs> you pay by the yard. I see. I misunderstood. So I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast before. I don't think we have, but someone suggested at one point, or I saw somewhere that rather than you know, because baby outfits are very tempting. Like they look very cute in the store, and it's very easy to like just want to buy them all. And so rather than kind of like in the moment buy all these outfits, someone suggested to buy like a bulk of clothes seasonally. So like one day you sit down and you buy all of their clothes for the spring or for the summer or winter. And I was like, that's kind of brilliant because knowing me, I would like impulse buy a lot of his clothes. Yeah. And then this way I get to like, coordinate and match all of his clothes they have like a very specific color scheme which also kind of matches all my clothes (laughs) and matt's clothes we definitely have colors that we like is what my mother-in-law said but it's great because then you can also mix and match like oh i know i have two pants i have three shorts i have you know so it all kind of goes together which is great Mm -hmm. there's an experiment that i would be so curious about of the same version of you as first time mom. It's an experiment, unfortunately, we can't conduct. But take the same version of you as a first time mom. Okay. And then take the one who's doing the collection of clothes by season versus just spontaneously buying and how as much? she deems <laughs> the need. And what actually buying as she has the need. And what actually is the difference between the two? Cost wise. Yeah. Or- sure. Cost wise. Like. I'd be curious who who spends more. Yeah, I don't know. I could see it going both ways. Yeah, I can see that. But we'll never know. And some, I mean, sometimes an outfit doesn't work as well. I mean, they do grow out of them quickly. But he's kind of in the next, like, he should wear the outfits we bought for, like, the next three or four months. So you're kind of buying for a range. Yeah. No, I get the logic of the <laughs> It is. A, I would be curious to experiment. I have found it a really helpful thing that I only have to like one day think about what clothes to buy him. And then for the next four months, I don't have to think about or be tempted by a purchase. So it's been great. I think he looks real good. He gets compliments all the time on his clothes, his spring wardrobe. <laughs> Which just for you must just be like the greatest moment ever. Yeah. <laughs> Feel, like I said, I feel a lot of pride in dressing my son right now. And he won't let me do it forever. So I'm taking advantage of it while I can. Some favorites. H&M has been great. They have great baby clothes. So a big chunk from them. We got a big chunk from Target. Always reliable, but actually has a lot of great, pretty inexpensive clothes. And I don't think our last collection, he had some Old Navy in there. But I don't think he had anything from there this time. And then we got a sleep sack from Amazon. Oh, that's what we got off Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Are there like a lot of companies that do so like sustainable kids clothing? Yes, but it's like $30 plus per outfit. The and cost is so high. It's very high. So challenging, isn't it? It really is. To navigate is that piece of things. To think about. I mean, even for our own clothes, right? That's such a right. tricky thing to prioritize budget-wise. I mean, we we don't change sizes as frequently. So I feel a little bit better about investing in a piece for me that costs a lot of money. But for him, I mean, within three months, easily he'll be out of something. Yeah. So. Well, listeners, if you have any tips about sustainable baby clothing in an affordable way, we'd always be curious. Yeah. 
I mean, my hope is all these clothes, honestly, even if we had another kid and we had a girl, she could wear almost all of his clothes because right. they're pretty gender neutral. So that is part of the sustainability yeah, for me. Totally. You can reuse or reusing clothes or donating them to someone else or, you know, clothes that are going to last and clothes that are pretty flexible boy girl. So that's good. that has somewhat entered my calculus. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for reflecting. Well, speaking of mysteries, as in we could never know the experiment of Rachel with a spring collection versus Rachel with a spontaneous buying. My take is just I've been thinking about the mystery of human development. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, you just think about it. As you said earlier, he started making the dad, 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 dad sound. But he just woke up one, one morning. morning and was doing that. It's instantaneous. There was no clear baby step towards that. It was just something clicked in his brain. His mouth formed a certain shape and something he'd never been able to do before. He could now not only do, but replicate it. And now he does this weird whispering version of it. But I don't know what's going on there. But he's learned how to whisper. So good for him. It's just an amazing, mysterious thing. I know there's all kinds of... It feels like... well. Let me put it this way. It feels like the things that you see and engage with and read about human development is more about this thing happens like at this point or this is helping this thing happen, but not necessarily what's actually happening. Does that make sense? In other words, I Googled this today. When did babies start waving? And I get an answer from Google that says around nine months, but it doesn't necessarily tell me why babies suddenly start waving sure, huh? at nine months. Like, why at nine months instead of earlier or much later? Yeah. And it's just what an amazing kind of mystery and wonder the human brain and our development is, that these things just happen, and they do happen predictably. But and once he does it and kind of locks it in place, like, he's got it. Like, he waved once last week, and now he's honed it in like he can wave yeah it's just it's just amazing and the more i think you think about it the more you realize and my guess is scientists and psychologists and all these people feel the same way the more you you know about it the more you're just struck by the gaps in what we don't know Mm -hmm. which on easter sunday is maybe a good thing to reflect on speaking of mystery see that that's a that's a podcast pro wow full circle (laughs) 33 episodes around All right, what's your take? Oh, my take has also been highlighted by our experience of Holy Week is just that I'm reflecting how much of an impact motherhood has had on my faith. Not necessarily like being a mom, but like the like day-to-day experience of having to be a mom while parenting a kid you know, going to all these services this week, which a lot of them are very reflective, somber services, <laughs> quiet. quiet services. <laughs> At one point, our pastor, Kevin, stood up and said, you know, this is going to be a service of silence. We asked that, you know, everyone leave silently after the service. And I almost laughed out loud. I just like, I can't even fathom silence right now in my or life. Or stillness even. Or is maybe even stillness in this I got a newsletter that said something similar, like, you know, if even only for an hour you can sit in silence and stillness this week, like, that would be amazing. And I was like, huh, 
even an hour like that's just like you know right. they were setting that as like the low bar and i'm like oh no an hour would be the high bar <laughs> and so it's just hard i mean like i am committed to showing up and being present at church with oliver but it doesn't mean that every sunday i'm really getting much out of it not getting much that sounds that's not really how i think about church but it's very hard to engage with. There are some Sundays where I'm catching every fourth word, fifth word that someone's saying that, I mean, luckily I know a lot of the songs that we sing. So I, you know, don't need my brochure because Oliver's trying to eat the worship pamphlet. Like <laughs> like how you just called it a I, brochure and a really, worship pamphlet. Neither of those are right. Worship guides. We call them worship <laughs> guides. <laughs> but like if Come I get your brochures <laughs> at our church. Oh, but like if I had to hold that to read the words, right. Oliver would just eat it. And so there is there is some advantage to like me having been around the church for a long time. But I think about being someone new to faith and experiencing yeah. it with a child and it just being that's a, such a hard barrier to overcome, especially right now with COVID. There's not a nursery. You know, some of those services right. make a big difference later on. But right now, when you're kind of doing everything, he's literally crawling all over me in the back. I had multiple people say to me today, oh, I heard Oliver in the live stream video oh, making wow. noise. Which I mean, they were saying it very kindly. But it is like, yeah, you balance this. Do I take him out of the service because he's disrupting people? But at the same time, like, I do believe, like, God calls, like, children to be involved. And Jesus said, let little children come to me and... It's important for my faith to be there. I don't think I want to just pause my faith for five years until you yeah, right. can, you know, sit still. But it's hard. It's really hard to handle both and to really be present in those moments. I mean, of course, I think there's some beauty in it, too. Like the other day, I was with Oliver. We were driving somewhere and I prayed out loud in the car. And I mean, it's been years since I've done that because I just don't love praying out loud in front of people. But with Oliver, it's like you're bringing it back to huh. basics and you're having to like think, okay, how do I explain this to a child? Yeah. And so I think a lot of, at least my faith in recent years had just felt very messy and complicated and too many debates and controversies. Mm -hmm. And so there is something about, you know, distilling it for a kid, making it simple again. Yeah. And so I enjoyed those moments, but. It is, it's a hard thing to really lean into faith and showing up. Well, you did lean into it this week. I got to witness that and you made a lot of extra effort, which I thanked you for off air, but good to thank you for in the podcast too. Thanks. Hmm? We can hear him in the background. He's saying it's time to wrap up the episode. The Bubba awakes. <laughs> so we will wrap up. We will follow Oliver's crying cues because I think we... We can land the episode here. Yeah. I'd love at some point to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, you are pastoring, so it's a little bit different of an experience for you. Yeah. I mean, I think so much goes back to what you were saying. What is your view of church? And if your view of church is it's content that I consume, then having a baby with you is completely debilitating because you cannot consume that content. But if church is something more, if it is rhythms and habits that help form us if it is the people that we surround ourselves with that encourage us and care for the people in our lives 
then suddenly just by showing up, you're participating and involved in a completely different way, knowing that there will be opportunities to receive the content that also helps us grow in other ways or at other times as well. So Hmm. yeah, um, well put. Yeah, well, I'm just building on what you're saying, picking up what you're putting down. All right, the soundtrack is a crying baby waking up from his nap. So till next time, I'm Matt. I'm Rachel. And that is your Tim's take.